and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Oh, he's drilled home by Steve Davis. Here, then he comes Matheson. Oh, he scored! And now it's Dawson. That is a hugely important goal, which may just keep Rochdale in League One. Hello, and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by Chaff. Chaff, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much, mate. Good stuff. Um, and we're also joined by two very special guests tonight as well. From the new Rochdale podcast, uh, The Day Away, we have Charlotte Cromarty. Charlotte, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Look forward to chatting a little bit later uh, about the new podcast. And we also have Mark Sweetmore with us from... Fair Game, Mark is the Head of Sales and Events at Fair Game UK, so we're going to have a bit of a chat about that later. Mark, thanks very much for giving up your time to chat to us tonight. No worries, thanks for having us on. So first of all, of course, we've got a couple of recent games to talk through. Uh, first of all, that draw at home with Leighton Orient and Chaff, it wasn't a great performance, was it, on the day? To be honest, it, it was probably one we got away with. Um, it started brilliantly. Uh, 30 seconds in, we're 1-0 up. Then we get a stoppage time goal and the eight to nine minutes in between were absolutely awful, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, yeah, we we absolutely stole the point, I think. Um, there just wasn't... I can't put my finger on it. We defended poorly. Um, just too many too many players had off days, um, even players that you don't expect to have off days. Um for example, Liam Kelly, I thought, was really poor. Um, and Jake Beasley didn't get any any service, really. And he, he only really came into the game when Andrews came on. Um, it wasn't without positives, but it wasn't good either. And I think we, we were lucky to, to come away with a point. Yeah, and Charlotte, the reason we did get that point in the end was, was a couple of goals from Alex Newby. Um, not the prettiest of goals, either of them, but... Is that encouraging? Because we've been saying for all season, haven't we, that we, we kind of need to start finishing those kinds of chances and scoring those kind of scruffy goals, if you like. Yeah, 100%, especially because typical Dale, them type of goals are always scored against us. So it was actually nice to actually get a goal out, obviously, ourselves and, yeah, get that point. So, yeah. Am I, I mean, the, the one issue, I think, with Newbie's performance was from my point of view anyway, was the, the play acting, if you like, for the potential red card, if you saw it that way, on their, on their players kind of coming together with their heads. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. I, I mean, I thought it was a bit over the top, but at the same time, we see pretty much every other team doing it against us, don't we? So how do you feel when you see something like that from one of our players? Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. Like When it happened, I was, along with everyone else in the ground, chanting for the lad to be sent off. Um, but I think when you take a step back and look at it, it, it was clearly handbags, nothing more than that. I don't think as a club we've ever been known for doing that sort of thing. Um, I think it's great that we've got this amazing disciplinary record, um, like best in top four leagues, I think, for, for yellow cards and stuff like that. I almost wouldn't mind us getting a few more yellow cards if it was for getting in the face people, getting stuck in, closing tight. Um, what I don't want to see is us getting yellow cards for O'Keefe whinging at a linesman, Newbid blowing over in the wind, that kind of stuff. It's just not what we're about. Um, 
I think one of the things that Stockdale said pre-season was uh, it doesn't matter how we score goals, if it's two or 20 passes, that's great. And I think we're starting to see bits of that. Um, but he also said we would be horrible to play against. I don't think we're there yet. Um, and I think we could do with a bit more toughness in the team in terms of closing down, getting close to people and a bit less of the uh, dark arts, <laughs> especially when they're as obvious as when you watch that replay of Newby at weekend. Hundred percent, and I think as well, especially with the whinging at the linesman. I must admit, at the time, I thought that, that their first goal was miles offside. But when you see the replay, you do see Sam Graham probably playing them on. So the reaction from the players was maybe a little bit over the top. But um, like I say, we do see that from pretty much every team we come up against these days. So you kind of feel like you're shooting yourself in the foot just by being fair, if that makes sense. Which is yeah, not, not what you want to see, but. Um, that's where we're at in, in the lower leagues at the minute. Uh, Chaff, I wanted to come to you on, on Sam Graham. Um, I mean, it was a, a dreadful performance from him on, on Saturday. We can't really um, hide away from that. But the reaction to him going off injured was really disappointing, wasn't it, from most fans? Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Um, I, I turned to my mate and I just said, I don't, that that's not on that. I mean, there's no... there's There's... He's not deliberately playing poorly. He's suffering from a lack of confidence and he's still new to foot to professional football as well. Um, there's, it's not like he's not trying hard. It's just not, it's just, he's just out of form. Um, and that's not what we are as a club. We don't, we don't do that. The last time I remember anything like that was um, away at talk years and years ago. Um when Michael Simpkins got sent off um, and that got a cheer as well. Um, but I, I don't like us cheering anybody, any of our own players getting injured. I don't even, I don't particularly like it when we cheer opposition players getting injured, but yeah, it was, it was bang out of order. Um, he's evidently suffering from a, a lack of confidence and that's not exactly going to help that, is it, at all. I think the lack of confidence thing is really key. I think one thing you can say for, for Stockdale so far is he's brought the squad together. They are clearly very close, very tight. Um, you can see them, yeah, they berate each other on the pitch, but they encourage each other as well. And with a team as young as we've got, to see someone going off like that after a, after a bad game and the reaction, particularly stuff like the, the clown chants and, and that kind of stuff, that's not what we're about. And there's a risk that, within a tight squad, that might make the rest of the team fearful of trying something, of making a mistake, of being brave to put the foot on the ball because of that reaction. And I think we just need to bear that in mind. We knew at the start of the season that we had a, a rushed squad that was put together. In the main, I think it's been good recruitment. Um, but I think we need to accept there is going to be some frustration along the way. Um, and we need to encourage the lads as much as we as we can because otherwise it's confidence is going to be an all-time low I think Yeah Charlotte from from where I sit which is kind of the sandy lane end of the main stand it looked like there was a bit of a reaction to the reaction if you like and there was a few people in the TDS kind of applauding as he walked walked away uh, I think you sit at that end what was the kind of reaction like after Honestly it was absolutely dreadful and I always say like I've always said in football and just anything in general you're entitled to your own opinion, but don't bash someone, don't ridicule someone. 
or just make them feel like that because it's obviously like Chaff and Mark said, is lacking confidence. So don't shoot the guy when he's down. Like he's still young. I don't think he's played much professional football really. Not that I know of. So he's still learning as well, as much as the team's still learning. So I just don't think that's the right thing to do. And especially making chant chanting noises, the clown chants, and even like they were cheer- they were cheering. Um, obviously, it was nice to see Max Taylor come on. Don't get me wrong, but they were obviously cheering. But as soon as he walked past us, they were like saying nasty things, and that's just not that's just not Dale. And it just make it just makes you like it makes you sometimes ashamed, doesn't it, to be a Rochdale fan? You know, when you get the small, it's only a small minority. But no, it's not for me. It's not for me that kind of behaviour. No, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Um, it was a real disappointment, and I know it can be frustrating. But um, I think a lot of people are trying to make the point, aren't they, this week that it's going to be a frustrating season at times, like because, like you have said, these players are young, they're inexperienced. Um, there's going to be moments along the way this season where it's look, it's looking like it's not going our way. But um, I, I think I hate to 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 go a little bit too deep on this but I do think there's a little bit of an entitlement that's crept into Dale fans over the last seven or eight years where we've been kind of a consistent decent league one side um you know that that's not kind of the history of the club that's us overachieving if we're being honest so when we're back at this kind of level there needs to be a little bit more patience and a little bit more support for the lads that are struggling I think yeah and I think one thing that really brought it home to me this week was after the county game on on Tuesday. Um, obviously, the players walked over to, to the fans to applaud at the end. But the amount of players who were there who were grabbing like O'Connell or Don or a couple of others and pointing out their family in the stand and waving at them and just looked really happy to be there and be part of it, that sort of brought it home that these are young players. This is a young squad and just how much it means to them. Um, and it was a bit of a, like, yeah, we need to nurture these because they're with us for potentially the rest of the season. Yeah, I must admit, I've noticed a couple of times this season, especially away from home when we picked up a win, like, you can tell how much it means to those lads. Like, they, they just look over the moon. And Stockdale as well has just been, every every win we've had, he's celebrated perhaps more than, like, previous managers would have done. So, uh, I love that kind of thing, me. I know it doesn't mean a lot, but I just love to see it. Um, Chat, I'll come back to you with Liam Kelly. Um, in the Orient game, like Chaff said, he didn't have a great game. Um, but... I'm just wondering if maybe he's played a little bit too much recently. I, I, he's been fantastic, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't his best game, was it, on Saturday? No. Um, like I said, we've got we've got a hell of a lot of um, good midfield players now. That's it. That's a really good thing because we've never really... That's never been really a strong point with us, like having a good group of midfield players. So I just think with, obviously, Morley, Broadbent, obviously, Kia Han can play midfield. Obviously, got Kelly... We've got quite a good bunch, so I just think maybe, even though you don't want to rotate it too much, because we do need like a solid eleven, I just think maybe now and again just rotate it a little bit. Yeah, I think that's Stockdale has come in for criticism for being a little bit too stubborn, hasn't he? At times, and maybe it would be nice to see a little bit of squad rotation because again, young lads they're going to need a rest every now and then, aren't they? Um, Mark, the other side of the of the defence, aside from from Sam Graham, it was another pretty poor display from Jerry Dorset as well. Again, he seems to be low on confidence, doesn't he? But 
I think the the question that fans are asking now is, do we need to stick with this back three when it's clear that you know it, it's not getting the best out of the players like Dorset and Graham at the moment? I think it's an interesting one. I think I messaged it might have been chaff during the match on Tuesday. Like Dorset was flitting between like being John Boardman and Roberto Carlos. Like it, it was weird. Just some of the stuff he was doing, it didn't add up. Um, and I think that comes from a lack of experience, a bit of youth and probably a lack of confidence. Um, I don't see us changing this three at the back at the minute. Um, if we're stuck with it this far, I think we're going to stick with it till January. Um, I think the view is probably that what that's what helps us get the best out of A.D. White when he plays and definitely O'Keefe. Um I would love to know if we're doing some sort of bounce games behind closed doors where we're trying to back forward O'Keefe at right back in that system to see if we still utilise him. Because I worry that if if we weren't playing him, we might lose quite a lot of attacking impetus. He definitely takes the ball forward a lot. Um, so I think we need to wait till January, is my honest view. I think with the share issue that's been announced this week and, and that looks to have gone well, a little bit more stability in the club, a little bit more money in the club, that might help Stockdale bring in some of the recruits that he maybe wanted to, but couldn't over the summer. I think his interview earlier in the week was the first time he's referenced the fact that he had his hands tied with who he could bring in. I've not heard him talk much about it before. And I certainly read into that, that there is one eye on the transfer market in January in terms of maybe bringing in a bit of a dirty, hard, experienced midfielder and one or two to go across the back four. And, um, and without tweaking the nipples of the football gods too much, I think if we do that, we stand a very good chance of getting into that top seven. Yeah, I'd agree completely with that, to be honest. I think from a from a tactical standpoint as well, going forward at the back, I'm not sure we have the midfielders at the moment to kind of sit in and make it a three like we've done in the past when it's been like 4-3-3 three, three and we've, we've tried Morley there last season and it's clear that that doesn't get the best out of him. So I wonder, yeah, someone like a, a Peter Cavana, it gets mentioned a lot, but someone like him who can sit in between the two defenders and allow the likes of Keohane and White and O'Keefe to still, you know, attack it to the same extent that they have been doing at the moment. Um, that'd be great, I think. I think one thing I'd still like to see us try at some point is if we can bring in a couple of defenders, I'd still like to see what O'Connell could do in midfield. Um, we've seen it in the last 15 minutes of almost every game where he, he steps forward and makes things happen. Um, I think he played there for, for Berry in their promotion season. I think that might be the missing piece in terms of shoring up midfield. He can step back into defence when it's needed from there. And just that coaching people around him. We saw it a lot on Tuesday with Max Taylor. Um, if he can do that more from the middle of the park, I think that would be an interesting thing for us to try. Yeah, I think he's definitely got the quality to do it. My only issue would be, I just feel like we haven't got the defensive options then. Um, I just think he's such a good defender. If, if only we could have like three of him, that would be, be ideal. And let's be fair, we all buzz off it when we see a centre-half doing a cross turn and taking it around the striker. <laughs> like, that happens at Rochdale, who'd have thought it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Jeff, one last kind of point on the on the Orient game, and then we'll move on to the Notts County match. Um it was another kind of similar performance from um, Abraham Udu. I mean, I feel like I keep repeating myself here, but as, as exciting as he is to watch, that end product's lacking at the moment, isn't it? And it'd just be great if we could start seeing him, you know, really make things happen in the final third. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, when the when he gets the ball, it, it's exciting because you think something's going to happen, even though 
we know that it it generally doesn't. But it, it's it's good seeing an attacker running at defenders. Um, we've we've not seen that for a few years really, and he's very direct and it is good to watch. And it it just needs to add an end product. Um, even if it's not goals, just a, a you know a couple of assists, and we'd have a real real player on our hands. Um, but I think like we said last week, if if he did have like newbies end products, for example, he probably wouldn't be with us, would he? Um, but yeah, it's it, I, I, I think it's still to come. Um, I've not certainly not written him off or anything like that. He he's still young as well, um, and yeah, he's uh, he's 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 one for the future, and hopefully that future's with us and and creating and scoring a few more goals than what he does now. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, we'll start to see that as. As again, he's like you say, he's another one who needs more experience, and hopefully, as that comes, so will the goals and assists. Um, so moving on to, to Tuesday night at Notts County, Mark, I think you were there, I believe. Um, I mean, we got there in the end. I was listening on the on the radio commentary. I, I couldn't really tell whether we deserved to or not. To be honest with you, um, it, it was a really weird game. Um, don't get me wrong; last minute winners are probably the best feeling in football. Um, I just wish we didn't need it. Um, the, the first half, I think their managers come out and said it was boring. It was probably boring because they didn't see that much of the ball, to be honest. Um, I thought we were good. We were passing well on the front foot and it was nice to see. It was sort of a front three with Andrews at the top of it. Um, we had Beasley on the right and Newby on the left behind him and that, that worked well. Second half, County came out and just came at us and that's where that shaky defence, like, <laughs> it was nervy. I'll, I'll give... Lynch that save I think he did get his fingertips to it um, but I think yeah it was nervy and I think it's probably if you look at the game as a whole it's probably a really good comparison to what the season's like to be as a whole inconsistent I text staff halfway through saying moments of brilliance moments of like absolute shambles um, the one thing I would say we didn't stop running um, the subs came on to great effect. I think they gave us the attacking impetus back. Um, so, yeah, I think... I don't know if we deserve to win it. I think over the balance of the two games, us going through probably feels just about right. The other thing I said to, in the car on the way home was that the last two away games I've been to were County and, and Barrow, two very different teams, two very different styles of play, and we got a result at both of them. Um I think that shows progress under Stockdale in terms of we will mix our style and tempo up a bit more than we have done in the last couple of years to beat the opposition in front of us. You mentioned the subs there and Stockdale gets criticised for his subs quite often or lack thereof. Um, and I think on Saturday against Leighton Orient, I think his subs worked really well. Um, I looked at those that double substitution of... Um, Dooley and Dawn coming on and my heart sank when it when I saw that come through on Twitter and Dawn ends up getting the assist to send us through to the next round of the FA Cup. So what what do we know about football? <laughs> Don't say that, mate. No one's gonna listen to the podcast if you say that. <laughs> uh, Charlotte, it was a it was a goal for Josh Andrews that sort of sent us on the way for that victory. Obviously, we haven't seen loads of him yet, but that's three goals now, and kind of I think I worked out it was about three hundred and eighty minutes, something like that. Yeah, 
decent record, isn't it? It's, do you reckon he could be kind of that answer that we're looking for in terms of getting a few more goals? Do you know what? I really think I really think that he is. And um, I just think with Beasley, he's an absolute great player, but he just needs he just needs some help. Like he's constantly he constantly runs, he's always chasing the ball, he tries his best, but I just think he needs that other man up there with him. And like Mark said, I think that system with Newby, Beasley and Andrews, I just think it works so much better. And I would say it gave me one of the highlights of the night, seeing Liam Kelly run up to give Josh Andrews a, a high five. Um, that image will live with me forever. He pretty much had to jump to reach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, he has been kind of isolated quite a bit, hasn't he, this season, Beasley? So hopefully kind of having a player like Andrews up there, it takes the workload off him, doesn't it? Um, not just in terms of, of trying to score goals, but also, you know, his hold-up play and things like that, Chaff. Yeah, it just it gives us a different option, doesn't it? Um, we've we've not had him available for the last few weeks, and I think we could have, in in some of those games. I think we could have done with a different option uh, up front, and we've been saying it all season. We, we could do with somebody coming off the bench and and taking that workload off Beasley, or just giving the opposition defence something different to think about. And let's face it, a six foot six strikers something that they're not going to want to come up against, regardless of how immobile he looks. So I think it gives us a different option, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more of him, to be fair. Charlotte, I mean, Mark's given that save to, to Jay Lynch there, if so it was an unbelievable save. Um, where do you stand with the goalkeepers? Because, I mean, it, it's been a while since we've had like genuine competition between a couple of goalkeepers. And at the minute, it's really hard to call who deserves to be starting between the two of them, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree. And... Um... I think both keepers are very good keepers. I think the only thing with Lynch is he's lacking a little bit of height. If he was a few inches taller, I just think he'd be. I think he'd be brilliant. He's a brilliant keeper anyway. But yeah, I think he'd be epic. Yeah. What have you made of Coleman so far this year? Yeah, I, I think it's good to see with obviously both keepers. Like you said, we've got a bit of competition, and I think. Like you mentioned, I think it's been a while since we've had like two keepers that I obviously like with Leeds goals and stuff, but both keepers I'm not ashamed to see in there and I would trust them, you know, in that as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting if you look at it like you're always going to have competition across the pitch. So if you're up against a taller team, you might put Andrews and Beasley up front. If you're up against a smaller team, you might look at put bringing Cashman and Odo on, for example. I don't think in my time sporting Dale, I can remember us having that with goalkeepers, but I think we've got that at the minute. If there's a team that's not the big, tall, strong players that Orient are, you could bring Lynch in as a shot stopper, a bit more agile, and um, I'd argue probably better distribution from what I've seen. Um, and then if we're playing a team of giants like Leighton Orient, for example, Coleman comes in, commands his box a little bit better, looks a bit scarier. Um, and can just manage that area a bit more. I've never really considered changing goalkeepers tactically before this season, but actually I think we're in a position where we could probably consider that this year. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I haven't really considered that either because I think it, what it's been so far, it's been Lynch has been like the cup keeper, hasn't it? But that could definitely work. And I think it'd be something I'd be happy to do because I, can't think, I think I've said a couple of recent episodes that, 
there is still a little bit of hesitancy with, with Coleman that I'm still not 100% sold on. Um, <clears throat> obviously, Lynch's height is an issue. And I said I was kind of critical of him last season at times as well. So um, I'm, I feel like we've got two good keepers. Um, I'm not sure which one's better. And I'm not sure either of them are going to go on to a higher level or anything like that. But um, two pretty solid keepers at this level is something that most teams would love to have, I think. Um Traff, I mean, it was a another late goal like Mark's touched on. There's kind of no better feeling than that. And we've had a few of them recently as well. Um, I mean, does that speak well to kind of the mentality of the team? Because last year we were sick to death of conceding last-minute goals and now we seem to be scoring one every week instead. Well, yeah, scoring a goal at any time is uh, a, a good thing, but scoring them late on, it, I think it does show a little bit of character that we sort of doubted a little bit at the in the beginning of the season and to an extent still do a little bit. Um, the concentration levels are evidently a lot better than they were as well. Um, last season was absolutely infuriating, um, conceding goals late on. And we're, we're probably going to concede goals late on again this season as well. But if we can score more, it's I think it's, it's only a... It's only a good thing, really. Um, that that goal against Leighton Orient, that was a relief moment rather than anything else, whereas the goal on Tuesday night, although I wasn't there, I was sort of jumping around my living room when Beasley's goal went in. Um, and, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's a sign that we we are getting to grips um, with, the, with the season, really, as a, you know, to start the season with the squad that we have. Um, and the time span that it, it took to, to build this squad. Um, maybe it's a sign that we're, we're gelling a little bit more and um, fitness levels are up and, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good mentality to have that we, can, that we can go to the end. I think the one thing it does do is when we're playing teams and it might be a tight match, it will make them think twice about going all out to attack us for a winner themselves. Um, because they know that on that break, on that counter-attack towards the end, we have that capability to score goals. Um, and it also gave me my favourite ever quote on Alt-Dale comms. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to copy it and say it out loud on here, um, but it was absolutely brilliant. And I think it's had the best reaction on that Twitter account. Yeah, I love that Twitter account so much. Um, Chaff Plymouth in the next round. Uh, oh, it's not a great draw, is it? I mean, they're flying high at the top of League One at the moment. Do you give us any kind of chance in that game? I mean, I guess the good thing is it's going to be on TV, so we're going to get a decent decent payday anyway. It's the FA Cup. Anything can happen. I know it's cliched, it's cheesy, but it's true. Anything can happen in the FA Cup. Who would have thought we'd have got draws against Newcastle, Tottenham? Um, I'm not for one minute suggesting that Plymouth are as because Newcastle or Tottenham, but um, they're flying. They're absolutely flying, aren't they? I think I looked, um, and the, the I think the, the, the last time they lost in the league was the opening day of the season, uh, top of the league. And it's the hardest possible draw we could have got, other than it being away from home. Um, but I'd, I'd even argue that we're better away from home than we are at home, so it's probably the toughest draw we could have possibly got. But anything can happen. We can go there and I'd, I'd back us to, to win. 
Um, not expecting it, but I, you know what? I, it wouldn't surprise me. And yeah, the, the fact that it's on telly adds another it adds another layer to it, doesn't it? Um, I don't know a few people that said that they, they're going to watch. I said I wouldn't bother <laughs> if I were them. <laughs> I'd put the chase on or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I reckon ITV were uh, were desperate for for Sheffield Wednesday versus Notts County, weren't they? And they've ended up with Rochdale versus Plymouth. <laughs> Mate, you can, you should definitely not work in the market inside of the club. Can I just... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Charlotte, I'm going to come on to you to ask a, a few questions about your new podcast, A Day Away. Can you give us a bit of a an insight as to who's involved and what we can expect in the first few episodes of the podcast? Yeah, well, um, the idea came along as part of her game too because me and Isabel who's a fellow Dale fan as well we just wanted to normalize the fact that girls can have an opinion and girls can like football just as much as males can as well so um it was kind of in the pipeline for a while but I think we've pushed it more because obviously Dale are now partners with her game too and supporting them so we just thought it was the perfect time really to um just do something different from like a female's perspective. So um, it's basically the first episode is just going to be like, we've got some of the Her Game 2 girls coming on there. And it's just about how me and Isabel got into football. And just, yeah, just like, like I said, just how females can actually have an opinion as well and just try to normalise it so... It's just to get out of that habit of like only males can like football. Yeah, of course. Um, can you tell for people who kind of aren't on Twitter or haven't seen about her game? Can you give us kind of a, a an overview of what her game two is and, and and kind of the work they've been doing so far? Well, it started in May, and um, it was twelve football fans from different teams. Is Bristol Rovers fans. Um, I think there's a Swansea fan, just all different um, female fans from like across England who decided that just the hate they get on social media, like sexist comments off like people when they go to football games, they just got sick of it. And they just wanted to, um, like I've said, they just wanted to normalise like females can like football. So they actually, um, they actually put together a video which went viral and it was just like um, them holding up comments and stuff that they've been like, that's been said in the past to them. So that went viral. And um, yeah, what it basically is, is just to um, educate and try and try and build a relationship and partnership with clubs just to make females feel like they can go to football and, they don't have to look over the shoulder. They don't have to be afraid of like sexist comments. And yeah, just to feel, just to feel like they're just as much part of it as like males. So when you see something like, uh, like her game too, and you see the club are now, like you say, kind of official partners officially involved with that, does that give you kind of confidence that the club's in the right hands and going in the right direction for things like this? Yeah, of course. It really does. And, um, I can I obviously can't speak on behalf of all female fans at Rochdale but me personally like I've always found Rochdale since I've been younger and as I've grown up 
like a homely family club and I've never been targeted by fellow Rochdale fans or in the game it's been mostly on social media so I just think from that perspective as well like I think that's a good thing for the club you know like someone's not being targeted by their own fans or in that environment obviously like I said I can't speak on behalf of everyone but me and Isabel we've always had like it's always been like a nice atmosphere and stuff and we've never felt like we don't belong there or had any nasty comments or sexist things aimed at us. Would you say that that's kind of a, a good advent for the club as well for, for other female fans to get involved because it is it does have that kind of welcoming atmosphere? Yeah 100% 100% and um, like I mentioned I, I can't speak on behalf of everybody but I've been going since I was four or five years old and honestly like I've grown up a Dale fan as much as it's frustrating at times as you all know and stuff it's nitty-gritty it's dirty and stuff and stuff like that it's always it's always gave me that impression of a family club and as much as like the last couple of seasons previously it's been a bit more frustrating for fans in particular I just feel like now with the change of chairman in particular who's is a is a great guy and just even with the it's like the other day the other week sorry with the training session stuff like that tours of the ground I just feel like we're getting that we're getting that family feeling back when um Keith Hill David Flickcroft first took over kind of thing you know that vibe I just think it's really nice yeah, I think that's a view that's shared by a lot of fans, isn't it? Like, it feels like our club again, in a way, which it maybe kind of didn't for a little bit. Um, it certainly is a great feeling. I think, I know it's, the game didn't kind of turn out the way we wanted it to against Colchester on the 100th anniversary celebrations, but I just felt great that night, just watching Dale again. Um, and I know it, it, it. part of that will have been, you know, the fact that we haven't been there for for a while and what have you, but... I just felt that family atmosphere back at the club and, and the people in charge at the club have got um, so much praise from the fans and rightly so for that. Um, so long may that continue. Um, I wanted to ask about kind of, you, you mentioned some of the the social media um, abuse, if you like, but like, do you, do you think that social media is kind of not really helping? We always seem to think that the attitudes towards these kind of things are improving, but... From your experience, is it improving or is it actually getting worse on social media? It's it's annoying, really, because social media can be an absolute great thing. It's like the campaigning, promoting, and it's even like it's even like seeing everyone's opinions and stuff like that. It can be a really nice place, but at the same time, it can just be so toxic. And I feel in particularly after like lockdown. And like COVID-19 and stuff, I just feel like social media has gone so negative. And people just think that they can bash people, they can ridicule them. And it's annoying because as much as social media can be great, it's it can be so bad as well. Yeah, I think we see that with with Dale fans generally as well, don't we? Sometimes like some of the overreactions that you see after after games and what have you. Um yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, really. I think 
as as positive as it can be. And I think again with Dale this this summer and everything that was happening, we saw the power of what social media can do on that front. But then you get the negative side of it as well. And yeah, I, hopefully things like her game too will help to improve that kind of thing. And I don't know how you feel about it, Chaff. Um, it's it's sad that the whole her game two campaign is needed. Um, it shouldn't be needed, but it evidently is. And I think it's brilliant that Dale have got involved. Um, as somebody who's, who's going out with a Boxdale season ticket holder, who evidently knows more about football than what I do. Um, and it, the whole atti- previous attitude, the, the old attitude, it, it it's awful. And the more that that can be done about it, the better. Um, and as a as a football club with a very limited fan base, what we have to be absolutely inclusive of everybody. And um, us being involved in the her game two thing can only help that. And uh, yeah, I think it, it's a brilliant thing to be a part of. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and Charlie, I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone says on the podcast coming up. Can you give us a, a bit of a, an idea as to when that will be and, and what we can expect from the first few episodes and, and kind of where to find you on Twitter, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, me and Isabel are actually recording tomorrow. So um, we've got our first recording session, so that should be fun. <laughs> all new, all fun and games. But yeah, it's just pretty much um, match analysis. Hopefully get some get some people on, hopefully you guys could come on at some point because we don't want to get it into the kind of we don't want to get it into like where it's all females and there's no males we don't want to like turn it into that kind of thing but um we're hoping for some like female people from obviously the ladies football teams hopefully people who work at Dale like um in the community Leanne hopefully at some point Francis and just basically give an insight of like how it is like working, you know, at a football club being female as well. And we want to do some like throwback things. We've got, um, we're thinking about an on this day where obviously on the day we record, we do pick a fixture and we just um, reminisce kind of thing. Um, old chants, what's the best and worst old, you know, song chants that we've come up with. Just, it's just one of them. We just want to reminisce on being like Dale fans because, like I said, as much as it can be frustrating at times, none of us would change it, would we? <laughs> none of us. Definitely not. Um, really looking forward to that. And I think especially the chant section because me and Chaff will be messaging each other saying which one of us made them up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't even want to do that now. <laughs> it's always me anyway. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Mark, so I need to be careful now because I've been saying her game too for the last <laughs> 10 minutes. I don't want to start calling Fair Game UK the same thing. <laughs> um, you, you're involved with Fair Game UK um, as the head of sales and events there. But in terms of the actual um, organisation, can you kind of give us a, a bit of an overview about what Fair Game is and, and what its kind of objectives are? Yeah, so essentially um, Fair Game is about um, calling for independent regulation uh, of football in the UK. I think in the Northwest more than anywhere else, we know it's broken. Um, as a structure, you look at Berry and Macclesfield as the extreme examples, very nearly Bolton and Wigan. 
Um, there is no incentive realistically today for clubs to be well run and sustainable. Um, so it's about how do we ensure that clubs are a community asset? Um, the owners, the directors, the employees are custodians of that asset. Um, and what can we do to support football moving forward? So we've got Tracy Crouch, MP, who's doing a review into football at the minute. We're expecting her um, review to land next week. It was supposed to be today, but it's been pushed back the next week. And that's where Fair Game really kicks in, in terms of how do we support the delivery of that. Um, th there's a few things, and I'm happy to answer any questions you've got, but there's a few bits around redistribution of TV money. Um, how do we make that fair um, around how do we protect clubs' assets moving forward for the good of fans um, various things like that. A, a lot of stuff is very, very close to home for Rochdale um, after the summer that we've had. Um, that's what made me want to get involved, to be honest, in, in fair game. Um, but yeah, it's about how do we change football for the better, make it sustainable and ensure that generations to come can enjoy and be frustrated with clubs like Rochdale in equal measure in the next 10, 20, 50, 100 years. So Dale, like you said, Dale are closely involved with it, have been involved from the start. Would it be fair to say that the kind of the club are now trying to emulate the same values as as, as what Fair Game is trying to trying to um, achieve? 100%. I think Dale were one of the first 20 clubs to get involved, um, which is really strong. And the trust were quick to, to back it as well. Um, I think you look at what Simon Gage and the team are trying to deliver today, it is very much in line with that. I would say that the minute it was announced that I was joining Fair Game, we had contacts from the board at Rochdale to say, what can we do to support, which is great. I think when you look at sustainability, so funding, where does that funding come from? Who owns the club? Who ultimately owns the club if the owner might not be the front man? Um, stuff like Colours, Crest, um, nickname, even stadium. What do we do with that? Um, how do we ensure it's sustainable and, and money comes to the right clubs at the right time? Is very much in line with with Rochdale's values. Um, I think with the change that is about to come in football on the back of the Tracy Crouch review, the timing of a new board who genuinely have the best interest of the club at heart puts us in a fantastic position to move forward from let's be fair, what's been a horrific summer. Let's certainly hope so. It certainly feels that way at the moment, doesn't it? I think one of the one of the questions I wanted to ask actually was about that fan-led review. Um and, and how confident you are that kind of the government will consider it, it's the findings that come from it and you know actually action them and make sure that that this isn't just the kind of a report that's pushed to one side and things carry on as normal. I think it's probably the most in-depth review that's ever happened. Um I think the fact that it's an MP leading it and it is so broad reaching um, is a really positive thing. Um, let's be honest, the government are here to win votes to remain in government um, and they will want to do the right thing for community assets and football clubs. Um, I'm 100% confident they'll run with everything. Absolutely not. But organisations like Fair Game, Her Game 2 and a couple of others are probably there to support the recommendations that the government run with and also keep pushing the FA, the EFL and the government to plug any gaps that, that might still be there. In your in your like personal opinion, what are kind of 
the main things that we need to be really focusing on as things that can happen quickly for clubs to kind of make sure that there isn't another Berry or Wigan or anyone else who kind of find themselves in that position. So there's a few key things. And the first one is very much a fair game directive, which is around the redistribution of wealth. So if you look at a club that gets relegated from the Premier League, they get a £55 million parachute payment. The 48 clubs in League One and League Two get £55 million between them. The incentive is very clearly there to run up the leagues, spend money you don't have, get promoted and get that money back in parachute payments and TV rights. So one of the proposals from Fair Game is around redistribution of wealth on what, what we're calling a sustainability index. So that's looking at like community asset, um, equality within the club, um, correct financial accounting and reporting, all that kind of stuff, um, even down to academy level. And if the club ticks all those boxes, you get a much higher percentage of the money. So if on the sustainability index, which I won't bore you with the detail of it now, but if a club achieved level one within that, which the noise is coming from Rochdale, for example, you would think we are there or thereabouts, we would stand to get 3.93 million annually from the Premier League funds. That's an uplift of 3.3 million. Like, it is ridiculous. And you think that sort of money going to clubs that are run right, how much more work could they do for the fans, for the community, and how much more competitive would it be? Um, so that's the first one. I think the second one is the abolishment of the football creditors rule. On a personal note, not on behalf of their game, I think that stinks. I think if you look at Berry as an extreme example, they were signing big-name players on big wages who probably had an inkling that it was about to go badly wrong. But under the football creditors rule, when they go into admin, anyone, so managers and players under the football creditors rule, get the first refusal on any money that's paid into admin. So they get paid 100% of what they're owed. And then your small local businesses, your catering firms, the groundsmen, the office staff, get what's left, which might be 5p in the pound, for example. That's wrong. And it's the wrong behaviour because it encourages players to go to clubs that they know can't afford them. Um, so that would be a big one. The other thing that I really like is there's a few bits around the owners and directors test, which um, based on this summer, uh, as Dale fans, we know only too much. Um, but if I can give you a couple of the things that we would call for from Fair Game as a proposal, um, Owners and directors wouldn't be allowed to be involved in a club if they've undertaken any activity that's considered criminal in the UK. So if you've got a criminal conviction, you're not getting involved in a club. That rules out one of the big names that we faced over the summer. Um, can't get involved in a club if you've um, been complicit in human rights violations. Um, so we've seen with some of the Newcastle stuff, potentially there's stuff around that. Um, ongoing assessment. So it isn't a case of you get into a club and that's it. Um, the independent regulator would keep an eye on you. Uh, prospective owners who provide misleading or inadequate information to be banned from making further bids. We saw that in the summer. Um, owners must provide clear and transparent outline of ownership structure and proof and source of funds to be assessed by the regulator to reduce the risk of money laundering or other criminal activity. Um, five-year business plans, 
community plans, all that kind of stuff. Um, without saying anything that's going to get anyone in hot water, I think as Dale fans, if that was to come in as an independent regulator, after the summer we've had, we would all sleep a little bit easier at night. 100%, and I think um, it's... It sounds silly, doesn't it? Because it, that all of what you said there about the owners and directors test feels like complete common sense of what should have been in place. Yeah. In the first place, doesn't it? I think one question that I would have on the redistribution of the TV rights would be playing devil's advocate a little bit here. I know my own personal opinion is, oh, I want what's best for Dale. And obviously if we can create kind of a, a club that's, that fits him well with that sustainability index and receives that kind of money, that would be obviously what I would want more than anything. I think the issue there would surely come from kind of the Premier League clubs saying, well, these clubs don't deserve this because no one's watching their games on TV. Do you know what I'm saying with that? I think that's a fair point. I think the Premier League clubs are becoming increasingly more aware that lower league clubs are a pipeline for their talent. You only need to look at Rochdale when you look at the likes of Murray, Lafondra, Lambert, Hall, like we bring players through. And there's a bit of a cliff edge. You look at what you get in the Premiership to what you get in the Championship, there's a huge cliff edge. Then Championship and below, there's also that huge drop. So I'm just looking at the numbers. Now, if you were a Championship club and you hit that top tier of sustainability, as long as you weren't getting a parachute payment, you would stand to get an uplift of 8.8 million a year compared to what you get today. In League One, it's an uplift of 6.6 million. So it isn't a case of, rewarding people who aren't watched on TV. It's a case of distributing wealth in a fair way to increase competitiveness, fairness, interest in the game, and just to keep building that pyramid stronger. Because I think we all know, you look at the reaction to the um, Super League or whatever it's called that was talked about, even fans of the biggest clubs in the country still want competitive games. They want relegation, promotion, if you got rid of the lower leagues, the Premier League's nothing. Um, and redistributing that wealth in a fair way means that it's more competitive. It means that clubs aren't going to spend money they don't have to chase the dream that they might never hit. And when they don't hit that dream, you've got less risk of clubs going into admin, going bang, and losing that community asset that, that we all love about Dale. I guess... Bigger picture with the Super League and kind of the fallout from that and the protests we saw and what have you, does that give something like Fair Game UK like a, a bit more of an impetus to say, look, this is what people want. This is obviously fans in this country are going to fight for what they believe is right in terms of football. So does that give you a bit more confidence that kind of as a collective, as football fans, we can fight against kind of those bigger clubs and then wanting to cut off the, the, their own six and, you know, be in the Super League or whatever it is they want? I really think it does. Like, Fair Game started with Niall, who's uh, an AFC Wimbledon fan, who was still hurting from the MK Dons move. So that was his driver for it. And there's a really good interview with him on YouTube about it. Um, but it, it comes from that place. And for it to quickly get to 30 professional or semi-professional clubs, whilst Fair Game itself is still an entirely voluntary organisation, shows the appetite in the country to, to keep football sustainable. I think you've seen it with the EFL this week with the likes of Derby and Reading. They're starting to show their teeth a little bit more about clubs who don't play fair financially. 
So I think if you've got that side of it in terms of points, deductions and penalties, and then a, a groundswell of support from fans, that's a really good position to be in. And the thing we're talking to clubs about, to potential sponsors and advocates about, is this is a chance to be on the right side of history with football. It can't stay how it is forever. It just isn't sustainable. Get on board with it early, get involved, and we can quickly challenge the status quo for the benefit of, of every club. That's the ultimate game, right? It sounds really encouraging, to be honest, and I think it's something that fans, especially of clubs at our level, would be desperate to see um, that kind of change happen uh, to make the game fairer for, for us uh, and for the better of football as a whole. So for, for people who kind of want to keep up to date with fair game and um, maybe even want to get involved like yourself, how do, how do people do, go about doing that? Uh, so there's a few options. We've got obviously the Twitter account at Fair Game. Um, just Google Fair Game UK and everything comes up. There is a, a 48-page manifesto on there, which, I mean, if you can't sleep one night, by all means, read it. But there's a really top-level executive summary at the top, which tells you what it's all about. Um, if you can get involved as a volunteer, if you've got skills in media, sponsorship, uh, whatever, social media, anything, by all means, you can reach out to me on Twitter, at Mark Sweetmore. You can reach out to Fair Game. Um, the more, the merrier. The other thing I would say is, if you don't want to or can't get involved in a volunteer capacity, spread the word. So we're working with like uh, different um, football trusts. We're working with Sports Direct. We're working with Her Game 2. Um, kick it out. All these sort of organisations we're aligned with. Talk about it, spread the word, tell people about it. Because the more fans are aware of what we're trying to achieve, when Tracy Crouch's report comes out next week, you'll start to see more of us in the media. But let's be fair, politicians are less likely to do stuff about it if the people who vote for them aren't talking about it and engaged. Um, so yeah, I think Rochdale's a good example now under the new board of what Fair Game is trying to achieve. And I think we're probably in a position to be best practice and sing a little bit about what we do to encourage other clubs to get on board. Yeah, um, I don't think there'll be any lack of conversation about that fan-led review when it finally does come out. So I think everyone's looking forward to, to seeing that and hopefully seeing these changes be implemented in the not-too-distant future. Um, so, guys, I don't know if you're listeners of the podcast normally, but we normally finish with a game, so I'm going to do that now before we sign off. Um, Charlotte, you're, you're top of my little Zoom list here, so you're going to get to go first, and then it's going to be back, and then Chaff, you, you can go last. So... Um, what we do is we name, uh, we try and name every player from a Dale squad in the past. And with it being a trip to Walsall for Dale this Saturday, I've picked out our last visit to the Banksy Stadium. Uh, it was a 2-1 win for Dale in February 2019. It was actually our last ever win under Keith Hill. Um, uh, Dale won 2-1. So, Charlotte, I'm going to come to you first. It's any player from the squad that day at uh, Walsall. Trying to think now, my mind's gone blank. <laughs> um, goal right, goalkeeper. Was it Lil? Was Lillis? Josh Lillis is correct. Yeah. Uh, if it's me next, I'm going to go for the obvious one, Henderson. Yeah, Ian Henderson played. Chaff. What time of year was it? Uh, February. <laughs> February. Ethan Hamilton. 
Yes, Ethan Hamilton is correct. So Charlotte, back to you. Oh, is Ollie Rathbone? Oh, you've been unlucky there because he would have been in the squad, but he must have been injured at the time. Oh, no. <laughs> Ollie Rathbone, unfortunately. Mark, over to you. Hey, Jim. Yeah, Jim McNulty was in there, Chaff. Uh, Callum Camps. Yeah, Camps was there. Back to you, Mark. Uh, I'm going to take a guess at Andrew up top. Yeah, Calvin Andrew. Um, Ebanks Landell. Yep, yeah, Ebanks Landell, please. That's a great shout. Uh, Dooley, maybe. Yep, Dooley, correct. Yeah, I'm struggling there a little bit. Um, I like that Charlotte has, uh, has filled in for Luke, by the way, by guessing someone who would have been in the squad. But was... <laughs> yeah. Um... <sighs> Stephen Davis. No, Stephen Davis, unfortunately. So, Mark, <laughs> Mark's our winner for tonight, Mark. Very well done. I did not expect to beat Chap on that, I'll be honest. <laughs> a great victory mate well played um, so yeah that's that's us for tonight I guess all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for joining us Charlotte thank you for having me on thank you I'm, I've been a bit nervous all day because I listened to this podcast I've listened for ages so I'm a little bit nervous so I'm hoping I've done alright <laughs> oh definitely it's been a great episode uh, thanks very much for, for chatting to us and we're really looking forward to listening to, to your oh. podcast as well uh, and Mark, thanks very much for chatting about Fair Game and giving up your time to talk to us tonight. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no worries, Chase, for having me. I'm just glad we didn't follow directly on from Rundle. <laughs> that was brilliant. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Really appreciate it, mate. Thank you. And Chaff, thanks as ever, mate. Nice one. Thank you very much. And thank you to uh, Mark and Charlotte for coming on. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you all next time. Over the Dale.